the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Hello, my friends. Two particularly important initial points to make as we come to Step 10 today. The first, a little knowledge is dangerous. I've been involved with people in recovery programs for nearly 40 years. Today will be the 10th sermon in this series. We only have a little knowledge. We only have a little knowledge. Be slow to come to conclusions, even slower to give others advice from what you may have learned. Listen. We are never learning when we are talking. We may learn if we listen. And our family, our friends, our acquaintances who are in recovery don't need advice as much as they need a listening friend to walk the recovery road with them, whether it's recovery from alcohol or drugs or pornography or sin. And the second, each one of us is unique. Each person has lived a different life. Even identical twins have different stories to tell, different perceptions of the same family members or the same life experiences. How people got to where they are how they are progressing, how they think and how they act is unique. This is why the advice of Jesus' brother James is so relevant. Be quick to listen and slow to speak, James 1.19. In his letter to the church in Ephesus, the Apostle Paul tells us how we can get and stay focused and guided by God. Ephesians 4, 1-2. Quote, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. End of quote. Some clarity. The worthy life is the life lived in surrender to God. The result of a life lived in surrender to God will be both humble in relation to God and gentle in relation to people. A life lived in surrender to God will be patient, and it will deal with all relationships based on love. And then Ephesians 5, 8 to 10. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. End of quote. Again, some clarity. To every person genuinely seeking recovery, to every person genuinely surrendered to Jesus Christ, there are two facts. First, their life used to be lived in darkness. It was unmanageable, and they were powerless to change it. And two, God has turned on the light, and their life is now powered by that light, and it produces a new life of goodness, of truth, and of doing the right things things that are pleasing to God. As we move into step 10, please join me once again in praying the serenity prayer. God, grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as we would have it, 
trusting that you will make all things right if we surrender to your will, so that we may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Understanding Step 10. Here's Step 10. We continue to take a personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Now, if you've planted a garden, then you know the amount and kind of care required to keep it healthy and make it fruitful. The rocks and weeds must be removed. The soil is enriched with compost or manure. Seeds are planted. Regular watering is essential for growth. Protection is provided from insects, from birds, and from deer. And even after all that is complete, constant care is required to keep the garden clear of weeds. Now here is a central truth to remember. Hear this well. The garden once belonged to the weeds. The weeds always want it back. People in recovery, whether recovering from an addiction, an obsession, or a compulsion, or from sin, are like the garden. Our lives once belonged to the weeds, weeds of our self-defeating behavior. You know, but God made it possible for us to have a relationship with him. When we surrendered our life and will to God, he planted a garden in us. God has removed the weeds and caused some wonderful things to grow in their place. And like garden tools, God has used the steps that we are beginning to see, the fulfilled promise of lasting change, and the fulfilled promise of fruit. In the midst of this garden, however, we can also see the return of weeds. They don't die easily. For as long as we live, weeds, our old self-defeating sinful ways, will seek to recapture us. For that reason, we must be vigilant to work step 10. We must tend the garden God has planted in us. We must tend it daily. That's how we work step 10. You know, the first three steps brought us into a relationship with God and serenity with God, a relationship God made possible, a relationship that brings the power needed to overcome our addictions and our obsessions and our sin, a relationship where we surrender our life to God and turn our will over to him. The next six steps have done two things. They have helped us identify and ask God to remove our flaws our obsessions, our compulsions, our addictions, our sins, and our weeds. And second, they have identified and, with God's help, given us courage to make amends for the damage we've done to others. Step 10 is really a summary and a planned and scheduled review of steps 4 through 9. Remember, in step 4, we take an inventory of our lives. In step 5, we admit what we find. In step six, we become willing to have God change us. In step seven, we humbly ask God to make the changes he desires to make in us. In step eight, we take an inventory of how we've impacted others and become willing to make amends to them. In step nine, we actually make those amends to those we have harmed. Step 10 is a checkup on what and how we are doing in our recovery, in our surrendered to God life. Now, I've mentioned several times, because it's in three of the different steps, the personal inventories. Remember, 
The inventories we took are not personal to keep them private. The inventories we took are personal because they are about us. They are not about others and using them as an excuse and a cause for our behaviors. The inventories help us discover what there is in us. You know, like stock in a grocer's shelf is in inventoried periodically to see what's in the store. We inventory the attitudes and the behaviors of our living, the strengths, the weaknesses, the motives. We inventory the impact we have on other people's lives, impact for good and impact for ill. We monitor our life so that we don't return to our old behaviors, old behaviors like control, managing our relationships with power, dishonesty or deception, faking that I'm better than I really am, isolation, avoiding relationships so I won't be hurt, approval-seeking, manipulating others to get approval, abandonment, shirking my responsibilities, judgmentalism, keeping track of the sins, failures, and flaws of others and making sure they know that we know, dismissal, basically shunning people, for whatever the reason might be. And we monitor our lives so that we become intentional about godly living. For example, forgiving, not holding grudges or getting revenge, willingness to accept the cost of another's sins, failures, or flaws, in obedience to and replication of God's forgiveness. And honesty, truth-telling, but truth-telling in love, the biblical mandate in obedience to and replication of God's honesty with us, generosity, sharing what we have, in obedience to and replication of God's generosity to us, patience, we listen to God and to people. We are slow to speak and certainly slow to anger, in obedience to and replication of God's patience with us, and loving, we love and love and love in obedience to and replication of God's love for us. The key in step 10 is setting a regular time to do this inventory. And there are three kinds of inventory that can be done. There's the spot check inventory. This is a frequent check. It never lasts more than five minutes. It may be taken several times a day, like at meal time or commute time. You may set your computer or phone alarm to go off at certain times and take an inventory. You may do a check every time you stop at a red light. This is an especially valuable inventory pattern early in the program of doing these steps, early in our walk with Jesus, and especially after any kind of relapse. Then there's the daily inventory. This is a planned check on a daily basis. I've always encouraged people to do this with their daily devotions, where they express love to God. They listen to God through the scriptures and through silence before him. And they review with God the last 24 hours and identify their behaviors, celebrating what God is producing in us, seeking God's help to remove those flaws and failures we lived into, and making amends quickly to anyone we have wronged. And then there's the long-term periodic inventory. This is a major inventory, lasting several hours, taken perhaps once, as I would recommend, or at most twice a year. 
This is a thorough inventory, looking not only for instances in my life, but for patterns, patterns of frequency, patterns of kind, patterns of intensity, looking for movement up to celebrate, and looking for movement down to seek God's help for change. Step 10 is tending the garden of our life that God and we have prepared and planted together. Step 10 is given us by Jesus in Mark's gospel when he says, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Mark 14, 38. When the garden of God in our lives is not tended, the weeds of temptation will quickly return and seek to overpower what God wants in us and of us. So the question I ask every week, do I need, and this week, do I need step 10? Absolutely. I only get one day at a time. People in recovery refer to this as ODAT. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow has not come. I only have this day that I am in. I only have now. And Jesus gives us a wonderful pattern to follow in Mark chapter 6. Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 6 and follow along with me. In Mark 6, verses 7 to 13, Jesus sends out his 12 disciples two by two. He gives them authority and power to bring healing, wholeness, and conversion to other people. But he never sends them out alone, always with another. This is protection from the weeds that seek to return in each of them. And then look down to verse 30. The 12 come back to report what has happened. They are excited. God used them to teach, to heal, and to set free captives to sin. Then in verses chapter 6 of Mark 31 and 32, Jesus wants to get alone with them to reflect on what has happened. He seeks to get them away to rest and review. And in verses 33 and 34, we find people follow Jesus and his disciples. And that, my friends, is a distraction. But it's always this way. When good happens, people want more. And the opportunity for reflection and rest gets put aside. That is the beginning of trouble. Success sometimes leads to our garden not being tended. In verse 45, Jesus sends the 12 out in a boat to get alone and to get away. Here's the point of that. The crowd can't follow on the water, and only so many can fit in the boat. But Jesus is not with them. He sends them on ahead. And we know what they talked about, what had been happening in their lives. And then in verse 46 of Mark 6, Jesus gets alone with his father to pray. Jesus needs his own time to rest, reflect, and pray. He's alone with his father doing just that. Jesus sets the standard for us. And if Jesus needs a quiet time and place, how much more do I need a quiet time and place? A quiet time. To listen to God reveal his truth, his love for me, and for all people. To tell God my response of love for him. A quiet place to review with God my life, the progress made, the areas still needing to be changed. A quiet place to be refreshed, to be refueled, to be recharged, to be retooled, 
to become all that God intends in me. A quiet place. Listen. There is a quiet place, far from the rapid pace where God can soothe the troubled mind. Sheltered by tree and flower, there in my quiet hour with him, my cares are left behind. Whether a garden small or on a mountain tall, new strength and courage there I find. Then from this quiet place, I go prepared to face a new day with love for all mankind. I want to interject here. The quiet place is not just for me and God. It's a preparation for me to do God's will, to go from that quiet place prepared now to face a new day with love for all mankind, which is our mission. Pray with me. Lord, help me and my friends to plan and implement quiet times in quiet places so that we might be restored, so that we might be renewed, so that the garden you have planted will be well tended, so that we might be re-energized by your graceful Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen.